0: Welcome back, Mighty Vandals, to Tubbs of the Club, the Idaho Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I am your host, Alice Hammer. It's the dynamic duo today, joined by Brian Marceau. Brian.
1: We're already just off to the smoothest start we've had the entire year. So amateur hours here, dudes. Uh, Doing great here in Coeur d'Alene. If you are watching live, you can see that uh, producer, producer seducer Martin Heemstra is not here, but... We, we, ha- we have his homage behind us as our background, which Dallas' rectangle is uh, Dallas's rectangle's cutting out. So Martin, uh, we'll be stoked for you to be here when you are. More production going on. Martin, when you're back, we'll be stoked to see more producing and seducing. But we'll have to deal with, with us two for the night, which is kind of a throwback. Uh, Dallas and I first did our recordings really during basketball season of the COVID year.
0: And no one wants to relive that, but you're stuck with it for the night. All I can think about is the oodles and boodles of pristine bitches we're going to get from this. Anyways, before we get into Around the Bar Brought to Us by Hughes River Expedition, I just wanted to quickly mention the Eastern Game. Uh, Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Martin, for doing the reaction to that as I had some family stuff going on, couldn't make the show, and then I got called into work on Sunday at 2.15 in the morning. So, was not able to make any reactions, but... There wasn't really a whole lot to go off of other than Hayden Hatton having an all-time Vandal performance and Eastern getting the absolute shit kicked out of them. Uh, Like you'd said, Brian, you take away those two major plays and Talkington has 82 yards. Absolute just blow up from the Vandal team here on all phases. Absolutely destroyed Eastern. So nice to have the get-right game. Yeah, Hayden
1: Hatton's Big Sky Player of the Week for those four touchdowns and 10 catches.
0: Yeah, and very, very, very well deserved. Unfortunate, he wasn't able to get the the full record at five, had to settle for a tie of the record with four touchdown catches last week. But what do you do? I guess you hope for five another day. Uh, anyways, we've buried the lead here, guys. Let's just jump right into it. We're talking about this week's game against UC Davis. Uh the Aggies are five and four. They're four and two in the Big Sky Conference. They have blowout wins against, honestly, five complete dog shit teams, NAU, UNC, Cal Poly, ISU, so the four of the absolute worst teams in the conference, as well as a blowout win against San Diego. They did lose close to Weber State, and interestingly enough, the current number one team in the country, San, uh, South Dakota State, I almost said San Diego State, because it's late. It's real late, guys. They also had a blowout loss to Montana State, so... Brian, before we even just start getting into to UC Davis and what we know about him, just looking at this team, can you make anything out of the fact that yes, they're four and two in conference, but they've played four of the worst teams in the conference, including the three like the, the three unquestioned worst teams in this conference? They've blown apart.
1: What we can take away from this team is they're clearly not. This is going to be really earth earth shattering, dudes. They're not terrible. We know that for a fact. It, it's unclear exactly how much those close losses early in the season mean because, like Weber State, Weber State kept UC Davis in that game with dumb mistakes, and Weber State fans will tell you that. But hey, the game was still close, and Weber State is a good football team. South Dakota State took a little bit of time to to really get their offense humming this season. Uh, first couple of weeks, Mark Gronowski did not look like the you know all. Like the very good, maybe you know, top 10 percentile FCS quarterback that we know him to be. It took him a little bit of time, but uh, hey, UC Davis still kept that game close. So, you know, Idaho fans talk about good, good losses early in the season. UC Davis does have those to hang their hats on. Um, I, I know like my big takeaways from this team are more a little bit in what, how the team produces which, and again, asterisk, of course, it's against the shittiest teams. I guess maybe the most recent barometer for Davis against a good team is they did get their asses kicked at Montana State 41 to 24. But Montana State's also undefeated in Big Sky play. Montana State right now looks like they're probably going to tie with Sacramento State for and share the out share the Big Sky title with both teams going eight and zero. Obviously, not playing each other. But I guess the the first direction I'd look at with understanding who UC Davis is, like to answer the question, good or not good, whatever it is. This is clearly a team that on the offensive end they certainly can produce, and you know you look at the at quarterback play in the Big Sky Conference. Miles Hastings, starting quarterback for UC Davis, who at the start of the year, none of us really had super high opinions of Miles Hastings. Well, if you're a Vandal fan who thinks Giovanni McCoy has looked pretty dang good and been pretty pretty dang efficient because he has, well, Miles Hastings is uh, has not been that different in the kind of production he has. You know, lead, leads the Big Sky in passing yards per game, twelve touchdowns, two picks. uh 73% completion percentage. So Hastings has absolutely been one of the two most effective quarterbacks in the big sky. So I guess that's where I would start by, hey, what do we know about Davis? We know offensively, they, they put up some points on the board and we know they can hurt you both through the air and on the ground.
0: Dallas. You, yep, I'm there. Sorry. Yes. I clicked mute in the wrong spot. Woof, rough. uh I went back and listened to a couple old episodes and noticed when I hit m- the mute button on my microphone, you can hear it. So I hit the mute button in Streamyard, and then forgot where the mute button in Streamyard was. So see, that's Weird. exactly why I
1: had my hu- my two minute marathon mute. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because look we we have we have some live listeners. We're trying to purge them with a long discussion about how to mute. <laughs> but circling back, Dallas Davis, look Davis offensively is strong. There, there isn't really a way to discuss this team without emphasizing that point.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you mentioned Miles Hastings, and while none of us maybe had super high thoughts of him from how his play was last year, he was one of the few guys that returned from last year to start again in the Big Sky Conference. A lot of folks, there's my wife throwing shit at me in the YouTube wow. comments. So if you're not listening to this live, uh, you really should be. If you're listening to this on a podcast, um, at about the 9 minute mark eh, well once I cut the audio off it's probably closer to the seven minute mark you're just gonna see my face just go completely white as my wife is just throwing shit at me here in the comments so we're gonna just power through that again Miles Hastings returning starter not many of those guys in the big sky this year he actually is among the top in just about every single category in the big sky He's second in total completions, third in attempts, first in completion percentage. He's even above uh, Giovanni McCoy after the last few weeks. He's first in yards with two thousand five hundred thirty-five. He's third in touchdowns with nineteen. He's second in passing efficiency with one hundred fifty-five point three. But Brian, the thing that makes me makes me question just a little bit of of his stats. 1,274 yards and 11 touchdowns came in the last four weeks against NAU, Northern Colorado, Cal Poly, and Idaho State, where he absolutely blew blew the doors off of teams. So, yes, his numbers look great, but underlying, if you look at it, he's put up a bunch of stats against some pretty awful teams, and the other half of his stats came in five games, not four games. When you average it out a little bit, they're not quite as jaw-dropping as you'd think, which makes sense because Yulonzo Gilliam at running back, one of the best running backs, honestly, in the history of the conference. He was the 2022 preseason Big Sky MVP, years of all conference accolades. He's the guy that does everything. He leads the team in rushing. He's second in receiving. That's where I want to kick it to you, Brian. Should Idaho be more concerned about Miles Hastings' arm or Yulonzo Gilliam's legs this weekend?
1: Based off how Idaho, based off when Idaho's defense has looked less effective throughout the season, clearly Gilliam is the guy that I'm most concerned with. Gilliam is to me the second best running back in conference. Idaho's already seen the best running back in in conference. That's Karen Scadaboo at Sacramento State, but uh, Gilliam is definitely the number two running back, both in my mind, but in, in Big Sky yards per game, 119 yards per game, seven touchdowns, 6.2 yards per per rush he Gilliam is also a threat through the air now he, he's not you know, like top he's not like top 20 in the league or anything in terms of of receiving yards but Gilliam is certainly a he's a pass catcher who can hurt you he's get averaging just under 30 yards per game as a receiver too so when Idaho has looked uh, less effective for for spurts defensively this year, which is really some narrow windows. Dallas, uh, well, n- never mind. The Sacramento State game was not a narrow window. Sacramento State is, I guess, the comparison I give. I don't think UC Davis is as good as Sacramento State, but Gilliam is the the only really the only running back Idaho has faced in FCS play who you would compare to Scadaboo in terms of quality, and he also has uh, an additional dynamic of being a good pass catcher. With uh, look, Dan Hawkins' team has they have put points up on the board. Uh, offensive coordinator, good lord, what's Dan Hawkins' kid's name? Dallas, Cody Hawkins. Yeah, uh, Cody. You could Hawkins. have just said
0: nepotism, or you could have called him Mason. That
1: would have worked too. Okay, well that would have worked, but look different than Northern Colorado, where Max McCaffrey has absolutely no idea what's going on. Uh, Cody Hawkins looks like as a coach. He he may be he may be effective. He replaced Tim Plow, who went to Boise State. Tim Plow was quite effective at UC Davis, not so much at Boise State, but Cody Hawkins has looked pretty good in in his time, his very short amount of time as offensive coordinator. So, uh, on the ground is really the place that I think Idaho needs to be able to for sure slow UC Davis because Idaho's Idaho's been effective at forcing turnovers in the past game. We lead the Big Sky in in interceptions. Uh, we look, we just saw against Eastern Washington, Eastern Washington is not a bad passing team and they have some strong receivers and I'd have shut them down. So I, I do believe that you're right. The, the key of this game, though, Miles Hastings is a dude to know he's a guy who can be effective. Uh lawns Gilliam's probably the X factor on the UC Davis side.
0: Yeah, certainly. That's the the thing with Gilliam is he is, he has more receptions than any of their other receivers. He's, he's the guy that, does everything for their team. They their offense is split just about 50-50 in passing and running, but Gilliam again has more receptions than anybody else on the team. So obviously everything goes through him. Even his backup, uh Lan Larrison from he's actually a kid from Caldwell. Uh he was second team all big sky last year as a kick returner. He's only got 50 carries, but that's he's got 50 carries for 383 yards and three touchdowns. So the the running game there is is very strong even if Gilliam, for some reason is on the sideline for for a drive or even just a couple plays it starts with the offensive line for me uh jake parks and connor pettick were both named to the opix Sky preseason team uh that's the right guard and their center now parks has only played in one game this year which is good i guess if you're idaho however just looking at their their offensive line it's just it's filled with a bunch of depth and a bunch of guys that have played a bunch um Nick Amoa is a, a senior that's started twenty some games for them. They have they have a, a line that is is loaded with talent, and that that really helps them because they don't Brian, like you said, they don't they don't have a whole bunch of receivers. They're really deep. There's ten different guys that have ten, have double digit catches this year, but there's nobody that's like outwardly exploding like a like a Hayden Hatton or a Jermaine Jackson, where both of those guys are in the top uh, categories of the conference. Leading their team is C.J. Hutton. He's their slot receiver. 343 yards, four touchdowns, uh, 36 receptions. Pretty good numbers, but you know, we're talking top 25 in the conference in those those numbers instead of being top five or top ten. Um, so that's definitely, again, if you're Idaho, you're trying to shut down Gilliam. Uh, you'll have to also watch out for the tight end, McAllen Castles. He's been all big sky in the past. He's got 294 yards and two touchdowns. Again, not a whole lot of like guys that pop off the page receiving, but – Again, you're talking about ten guys with ten different catches. This is a, a group that just rotates guys in and out constantly. There's also Trey Tompkins,
1: who he he's kind of the he's a gadget player for UC Davis, where he he sometimes takes direct snaps under center. Trent Tompkins. For Trent Tompkins. Th- thank you, Tompkins. Trent Tompkins. My bad, dudes. Trent Tompkins. He's used in the way that a lot of people thought Zach Borish might be used for for Idaho the season where he's, he's a slash player takes direct snaps. He has thrown passes. He, he's also also catches passes as well. I want to shift back to Gilliam though, for a second and your talk about the offensive line, because one of the questions you had to frame this was, okay, UC Davis beats the shit out of terrible teams, but what about teams that don't suck? Uh, Gilliam Gilliam's produced against some good teams this year. Like a, a couple of stat lines to look at real quick is again, Opening game against Cal, that's, you know, Pac- Pac-12, Power 5, Cal. Uh, Gilliam rushed 14 times for 115 yards. Against Montana State when UC Davis got their asses kicked, Gilliam, 24 rushes, 127 yards, and a touchdown, as well as four catches for 23 yards. Against Weber State, another strong defensive team, Gilliam, 17 rushes for 111 yards, as well as five catches for 35 yards. So, look, even against good good defensive competition, uh FCS level, and look, I mean, Cal, relative to an FCS team, you, you would say they're strong defensively. Gilliam's been able to produce, uh, which is, which circles back to me, Dallas, that uh, key to this game in my mind is uh, how how well or how much Idaho can bottle up Ulonzo Gilliam. Um, Idaho has looked strong against the rush for the most, for just most games this season, for sure. Uh, the big blemish is the Sacramento State game giving up 300 yards. Uh, and Sacramento State's a more effective rushing team than UC Davis, but UC Davis and Big Sky play. Look, they're they're towards the top. They're a very effective rushing team. There's and Dan Hawkins. certainly look if we can point this out about you know what areas where Idaho can be exploited or has been exploited for stretches on the ground is probably where you'd say a guy like Dan Hawkins is going to say Davis is going to have to to be effective here to set up the path set up the pass play for Miles Hastings because. He, Idaho's been effective at forcing turnovers. Idaho's been effective against some quarterbacks in the big sky who are relatively solid, like RJ Martinez for NAU looked terrible playing against Idaho. We just saw Gunnar Talkington minus two broken plays look, look like he did not belong in the FCS. Uh, you, It's not shocking to think Idaho could be effective against Miles Hastings, but if Gilliam is able to cut us up, then that really isn't going to matter quite as much.
0: exactly that's i mean the the stats here are are slightly misleading if you look at just the the overall season idaho's run defense is actually third in the big sky allowing 120 yards a game uh but that's also buttressed by the fact that idaho played teams like portland state that that just don't particularly run the ball well uh, or at all uh you had uh elijah dotson at uh, from unc put up decent numbers on the ground in a game that Idaho struggled a bit in the first half. And then like you said, Brian 300 yards to Asher O'Hara and Cameron Scadaboo. Now that's, that's obviously a completely different situation. Um, somebody in the big sky podcast network, I will, I will not mention the names just in case anybody gets flamed for it, but basically you said that Sac state just runs a fancy triple option. And that's, that's really what it is with O'Hara out there. I don't, I don't know if I quite believe that but it is that is the kind of running output that they put out. So it it's it's been seen that Idaho can be gashed on the ground. To me this is the strength versus weakness here. If Idaho's defense has a weakness, I would say that they're susceptible to high talents uh, at the opposing running back position. And obviously UC Davis has the second best running back in the conference so this is this is a really terrifying matchup to me because there is absolutely every chance that Gilliam could go off for 200 yards here and Idaho's season that looks like right now again if Idaho wins this game guys playoffs are basically locked um a buy might be on the table a first round home game is probably pretty locked in if you beat UC Davis you're gonna beat Idaho State next week so this is like this is the game here you have to win this game and that the the uc davis offense doesn't scare me too much i don't think miles hastings is going to have an incredible game against idaho's secondary uh they've done a like, like brian like you said gunner talking to not under 100 yards if you take out the two broken plays however ulonzo gilliam absolutely terrifies me Yeah, so miles
1: hastings look we looked at the gilliam stats against better teams Miles Hastings' stats against the better teams, not like they're not terrible. Like he, he's shown he can make mistakes against better defenses. Went thirty-two of fifty against Cal through through two picks against Montana State. Hastings goes twenty of thirty-four for two hundred twenty yards, which is not awful, but not shockingly efficient. through a pick, no touchdowns against Weber State. Hastings thirty-nine of fifty-seven. Uh, for 256 yards, uh, 256 yards on 57 attempts, not great numbers exactly. So I guess your point about Hastings is right of maybe it's safe to call Hastings productive, but uh, still, still at the level of solid, but not, he's not going to win any national awards or Miles Hastings certainly shouldn't win any national awards. He's a guy, he's a guy if he's playing well. He can't hurt you for sure. But we've also seen him uh, be less effective against the better teams. So I guess I, I don't disagree exactly with what you're saying. So I guess if I'm going to pivot to now, let's you know the Idaho end of this. Idaho on the ground, well, not just on the ground. Just Idaho offensively, they're able to just complete. They they iced out Eastern again. This is the third or fourth game Idaho's had the ball for 42 minutes and 18 seconds. And you have got to expect for Jason Eck. That's going to be one of the goals again is can UC Davis has produced very well offensively, especially the second half of the season. If Idaho can, can ice them out, it doesn't matter. And X been able to do that against not just bad teams, but against teams like Montana, Montana's a very good football team. Montana's a team ranked higher than UC Davis in things like Sagran and in the national polls, Montana is a team that right now is considered a step ahead of UC Davis relative to getting to the playoffs. And Idaho beat Montana on the road before Montana lost their starting quarterback as well. So I guess Idaho being effective, we talked about UC Davis on the ground, Idaho being effective on the ground to set up McCoy, who not trying to bounce uh, too many topics Dallas, but the Eastern game, I got to stress this McCoy's long balls looked very good. Against against Eastern he McCoy is certainly look, he got over that Sacramento state game where he was off a bit, And he looked, he looked like the same guy he's been for most of the season last week against Eastern, but using the run to set up the pass to me is going to that's, that's the one of the go-to things for Idaho this entire season, Dallas. And I expect that's going to be one of the things that's effective for Idaho with the understanding though, that if McCoy's playing well, Jason, that can be flexible play calling wise, which is something he's done throughout the season.
0: Well, and it, like you said, it, it all starts with using the run to set up the pass um, because, as you said, McCoy, McCoy did have a very good game uh, statistically, but the start of that Eastern game at least had me a little bit worried. Um, he was missing throws through a, a couple picks there. Obviously, the the first pick happened, and then the wheels got back under him, and he chucks four touchdowns, and then... The, sec- the second of his picks was him just trying to feed it to Hatton to get the fifth one. I, I wasn't too worried about that. But um, absolutely, there was a, an instance of the run game has to be successful, the play action has to work, and that ge- that's what gets McCoy into the positions where he does. He absolutely shreds teams when he's given the opportunity. Now, I still don't know if McCoy is the guy that's going to go out there and throw the ball 50 times and lead you to a victory, but in the, the way that Idaho has set up this offense to – be primarily ground focused, and then let McCoy chuck a couple bombs uh, over the top of the defense once they start stacking the box. It works out really well, um, and especially I think it's going to work out really well against the UC Davis team that that is just kind of in the middle of the conference in their rushing numbers. Uh, they allow one hundred fifty eight point two yards a game. That's sixth out of twelve teams in the Big Sky. So, pretty average run defense, which I think sets up really well for for a team that again again is going to be looking to do the exact same thing they've done in every other game which is chew the clock run the ball take the shots when they count and and hopefully you you get out with a win that way um something that uh that makes me a little bit curious here brian is there's there's a lot of depth here uh and there's not a whole lot of guys that are are Getting to the quarterback a ton. They have a couple guys with a sack here and there, but overall, the this defense doesn't scream like disruptive to me. They're they're certainly good. Don't get me wrong, but I, I I wonder how much of the the yardage totals are adjusted in the fact that again they have played the four worst or three of the three worst teams in the conference, and then NAU seems like they can play. Up to Sam Houston one week, and then they could possibly use to Idaho lose to Idaho State the next.
1: Well, I think honestly, look, if we're trying to extrapolate from performance, we can do the same thing we did with Idaho heading into Sacramento State, which is we acknowledged Idaho's rush defense numbers heading into Sacramento State. That that was certainly aided by the schedule. Look, D, UC Davis defensively has been okay. And look, you hit it. They did play some tough teams earlier in the season, but they've had a month now of bottom of the big sky conference teams and their, their defensive numbers are middle of the pack ish. So I don't, I don't exactly see the one thing you see Davis has done relatively well is there. They have, they've picked off eight passes in big sky play. That's tied for second Idaho leads with 10 picks in big sky play. So Davis has been able to force turnovers, so that I guess that, as always, uh, like when good teams play each other, turnovers absolutely matter. But I'm I'm not unlike you. I guess I'm not that anxious about the influence the UC Davis team is going to have. Especially the look, a weakness Idaho's had is pass protection for McCoy, and making sure McCoy has enough time so he can he can make his reads and and deliver those passes. That when we know he has time, he's effective doing. I'm not convinced UC Davis. Well, actually, let me say it different. I am convinced UC Davis isn't Montana. I don't think they're going to be like Sacramento State either defensively. So I, I do think this is a matchup where Idaho offensively, which is they, they seem to be getting better every week. Dallas, look, we scored Idaho scores forty-eight against Eastern. I don't think this was a particularly great offensive performance for Idaho in that in the second half. Idaho wasn't trying to run it up. Fifty or sixty points. The Vandal team seems like they very easily could have scored sixty or seventy against Eastern if they would have kept the pedal to the floor, which clearly Ido did not. So, you know, on paper, this is a pretty look. This game matters a ton to both of these teams because Davis has to win out. If they're going to make the playoffs, there's no option B Uh, for Idaho winning out guarantees the playoffs. uh, And a second good win for Idaho means a lot as far as us feeling safe, heading into the dumpster fire of Idaho state to close out the season. But I guess I'm like you in that though, there's reasons to look at UC Davis and understand why this is at least a solid football team. Idaho has been playing very well. And uh, again, offensively the team just looks like they get a little bit better Every single week seems like McCoy gets a little bit more comfortable every single week. And as that happens, picking how Idaho is going to beat you becomes a bit of a problem because look, look at Eastern Eastern is terrible defensively for sure, but Idaho rotated shredding Eastern through the air and on the ground. And is Davis going to be better defensively than Eastern? Well, duh, because everyone is except Cal Poly maybe, but I also don't think this Davis team, unless Idaho turns the ball over, which Idaho has been good at not doing that this season. I don't think this UC Davis defense is going to be enough to you know, have me anxious about this game.
0: I would agree with you, but I do have to call out uh red shirt freshman Rex Connors. He's their boundary safety. He is the, the kind of guy that does make me a little bit nervous for this um, because Jackson and Hatton, what they have a tendency to do is get behind the safety and that's how they make teams pay. Uh, Connors is the, again their boundary safety. He's got four interceptions, leads the team. He's also got four pass breakups, uh, so he's seventh in the conference in tackles, tied for second in the conference in interceptions, and tied for seventh in total passes defense in the, the conference. He's a you know a fringe all Big Sky talent there, and he, he's one of the better safeties that Idaho's played this year. And that is that is the one thing that makes me a little bit nervous from their defense. But, like you said, I, I just don't see anybody here that's a, a, a game wrecker. Uh, you know I just don't I don't know how this defense keeps up with Idaho's offense and in, in the way that it's been performing against against better teams. Uh, nothing against UC Davis, but Sacramento State, better team. Montana, probably a better team if they're healthy. If Lucas Johnson is around and Chris Brown is not probably on a neutral field, probably has the advantage there. I just don't – and maybe this is just hubris, and maybe I just don't understand how to properly gauge a team when I think that Idaho actually can go in and and win and should win. But I just – Brian, I I just – I'm not terrified by this team yet. And I think part of that comes down to the fact that this is maybe the first time that Idaho has ever matched up against Dan Hawkins, and it hasn't been an outright, holy shit, Hawkins is so much better of a coach than the other guy this is the first time maybe in my entire life that i feel like idaho's head coach is a sharp enough guy and the coaching staff is is talented enough to be able to keep up with dan hawkins there's a couple things gotta hit there first you're
1: right about hatton and jackson who are both top five receivers in big sky play getting getting past safeties the caveat i'm going to throw hatton also has shredded teams down the middle He's former tight end. That is certainly a place where early in the season, most of Hatton's catches were coming from. So that, that's absolutely a place that if, if the openings are there, going is going to, going to call those plays because we we've seen Hatton be effective that way. Uh, we also know we're, we're focusing on those two receivers, Idaho's receiving room. The depth chart has been a little bit decimated. Uh, so Jackson and Hatton are the guys whose numbers are definitely going to get called quite a bit. Uh, as far as Dan Hawkins, this is another example of again like comparing to sacramento state dan hawkins is not going to underestimate idaho the way bobby hawk and montana did so you you're right that part of why part of what feels weird about talking about this game is for so many years the coaching matchup was brain dead in, in favor of uc davis and i don't think that's the case anymore um, I, I think this is now an interesting coaching matchup of two guys who definitely know what they're doing, two guys who've proven they can be successful, two guys who've proven they can be creative and flexible with the game plan, uh, you know, heading into Saturday. But I, I guess, look, listeners probably picking this up tonally. I know UC Davis is not – look, UC Davis is a talented team, no question. There's a reason they're fringe playoff. But I think quality-wise, I don't think of Idaho – as fringe playoff. I think of Idaho as quality we've seen from the Vandals being the type of team that if, if they don't lose the game with rough defensive outing early, cause this is look UC Davis is a team. If we get a def- defensive effort in the first half, like Idaho had against Northern Colorado and Portland state, Idaho could lose this game in the first half. I don't think that's going to happen necessarily. And I, I also don't think that Idaho is, really outmatched in any specific area you know in the comment thread gotta gotta hit this up really quick um tom kendall brought this up chavez uh, ricardo chavez kicker for idaho looking like he may have gotten himself uh recalibrated against eastern going two for two uh that could matter because because davis can put points up on the board and because these are both two solid teams special teams very well could be one of the deciding factors in these games last season, UC Davis essentially swept special teams awards minus kick return punt return, but it's not, it's not the same dudes back this season. So I guess the thing I keep circling around Dallas to so back to you is I know Davis is good. I know Idaho has, Idaho has to play well to beat Davis. I thoroughly expect Idaho should be the guy, the team that on paper you got is picked as the, the team that as the favorite for this game. I know Sagrin has Davis and Idaho virtually identical Idaho's one Oh two set Davis is one Oh four, but I've just seen Idaho actually pick up a win against a good team and then had a close loss against Sacramento state. But I, I know that circles back to how, how much do you value good losses? Davis has a couple good losses. No, no good wins. Idaho has a good, has a good win and then some close losses as well.
0: It one, one thing I do want to point out, uh, and I'm apologizing if I butcher your name, uh, Gary Grabow in the comment section mentioning that Teddy Buchanan is, was hurt okay. and is back now. I So one thing that we should point out is Teddy Buchanan is a phenomenal linebacker. He is probably going to end up with all Big Sky honors at some point in his career. He was a freshman last year that led UC Davis in tackles. Mm-hmm. He missed three games this year. Uh, he does look to be back, so that that is never a good sign. When again, the team that you're playing is starting to get some of their better players back. But, but Brian, I the same. I feel the same way here. I, I maybe I'd feel differently if this game was in California. But knowing that this is Idaho Senior Night, knowing that Idaho has apparently broken the curse of big win awful letdown loss big win awful letdown loss now that there's a new staff in place turning this program around it it just doesn't feel like this is a letdown loss it feels like this is a season where everything is just clicking and connecting for idaho idaho needs this win obviously both teams need this win idaho needs this win to to lock in playoffs there's some speculation out there that just because of the way that the bubble is looking this year, seven wins might not guarantee you a shot into the title or a, or in, a shot into the chance of the title, excuse me. Uh, so seven wins and a loss to UC Davis two weeks to go, not so great. Eight wins and you your only loss in conference is a three-point loss to Sac State. That is huge for a playoff resume if you're Idaho trying to either Get a bye if something crazy happens, or if you're just you're trying to get a home game, you're just trying to get into the dance. It this just feels Brian. It it's weird. Uh, it's weird to have that gut feeling, but this feels like a an, a game that Idaho's just gonna win. Idaho hasn't played a fully bad game. There have been some tough halves. Sean Kramer mentioning it in the comment section. Has there been a single game this year where we just didn't play well? Certainly we've had some halves and quarters that were rough, but a bad first half has typically mean a good second half to get back into it. This is the best home team that we are going to – best team we're going to play in the Kibbe Dome this year. Uh, playoffs notwithstanding if there is a home playoff game. But this just feels, Brian, to me like this is this is the point when Idaho is going to put it all together, come out and, and just definitively shut the door and say, look, we are a playoff team. People need to be terrified of us in December.
1: Well, th- th- a different way to say that, Dallas, is Idaho – this season when they've they've had some of their bigger challenges. Idaho has Idaho has had one game where there was a little bit of a letdown. And I don't even even know if you'd call Sacramento State a letdown, because that's just a good team. No, no, no one this year has beat Sacramento State. But Idaho's been challenged uh, quite a bit this season, and they've shown up every game, whether you're talking about WSU University of Indiana University beating or beating Montana you know, three out of four times Idaho's had pretty dang good showings for the majority of the game. So Idaho getting, being up for this game, not really a concern. And this is just a, this is again, just a weird place to be relative to the last forever as an Idaho fan is we're hitting this, this game means a shit ton. I mean, both of these teams have see Davis for sure. If Davis doesn't win out, they're not going to make the playoffs the end for Idaho. It's, finally getting over the hump of making the playoffs and potentially playing for seeding. You're right. About eight wins. We're not worried whatsoever. Seven wins Idaho's probably in, but there's a little bit of anxiety that last week of the season. Idaho hasn't had a game that meant this much to me in the kitty dome. Well, other than just every other game this season has meant a lot for Idaho, as far as picking up wins to get to the playoffs. But now this is, this is itself like a mini playoff game of both teams are good. Both teams have real stakes Idaho not only can push it season forward, but it can absolutely end UC Davis's shot at the playoffs. You'd have to expect that for Idaho, this is one of the games where execution probably isn't, you have to think this is not going to be a game where execution ebbs and flows like it does against Northern Colorado or Portland state, where you can understand a team playing very well overlooks certain aspects more than more than they really can. Davis isn't the kind of team you're going to be overlooking, especially on a four-game winning streak where they do. Davis truly does have momentum, and offensively, Davis has been able to bury teams, kind of like Idaho has when Idaho's been playing not as great teams. But look, we whenever we get to score predictions, I just don't know how to stress. I don't feel anxious about this game, guys. I, I'm stoked for this game, but I feel like going to the Kibby Dome there's a good chance Dallas that this is look all Idaho home games been celebrations this year. So if you can't, if you haven't been to a home game, and you can guys, you got to get to this one. The the environment at Eastern was the best it's been the entire season. It keeps getting better. Idaho has been answering the call when they need to. This just seems like kind of the big one where Idaho state's a dumpster fire next week. We'll, we'll hit that later. This is a big game, and these are guys who've answered the call just about the entire season.
0: You heard it here, folks. That's Dallas Downer and Bummer Bryan giving the kiss of death to this Idaho team, both of us saying we have no anxiety and no fear about this UC Davis team, which inevitably means this is going to be when Idaho finally turns back into the Vandals that we've all known for 25 years and falls flat on their faces. I might be trying to say that to reverse jinx this because now I'm really starting to get a little bit nervous that Brian and I are not that concerned about this game. Brian, we're about at that 40 minute Mark. I don't know a whole lot that I missed on. Is there anything you wanted to bring up before we get into score predictions?
1: No, man, other than to say, look in the comment thread, Tom Kendall just hit on this. Uh, Good to see UC Davis folks here Uh, says the TAT exposure is real. Uh, It's always fun. Uh, Davis has been a fan base that does tune in partially because apparently they think we're not complete morons when talking about UC Davis, which, hey, that's a that's okay. I'll take it. Now, man, I I think it's it's just time, man. This is to me, honestly, the setting of this game is what matters the most to me. It's a it's a celebration like all Idaho games have been. Idaho, Idaho gets to close, gets to have senior night. Senior night for the dudes who made it through the Paul Petrino time and get to have the, this final season where it's been fun as hell. It's Idaho has been the type of team that Vandals wanted to see when the drop down took place. It's finally here and uh, closing this, the home season with, what would be the big, like the Montana win was huge, but beating UC Davis to slam the playoff door and we'll keep the playoff door open and slam it shut for Davis. Can't imagine a better way for the seniors to go out uh, other, other than to maybe be able to have another playoff game.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree, Brian. This, it, again, like I was saying earlier, this just feels like this is the moment that that Idaho slams the door shut on this and signs off on this playoff resume. Again, you, you beat Montana when they were number three. You lost to Sac State when they were number two just by three and, and realistically had every chance at winning that game. You beat UC Davis, who's, uh, again, on the playoff bubble right now. You've locked yourself into a pretty damn good resume. This, just, this feels like this is going to be it, man. I... I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I definitely think UC Davis is a very good team, and if Idaho comes out the way that they came out in the first half against Portland State or against Northern Colorado, we might be having a different conversation after the game than the conversation we're currently having, but it does not feel like it's going to be one of those first-half letdowns. So hit the comment section real quick so before we get
1: our score predictions Dallas Sean Kramer says 38, 21 Idaho. Bart Holt says 41, 28 Idaho. Andrew Townsend says 44, 20 Idaho. Colin Scott Hughes, one of our best and brightest. Uh, he says Idaho 38, 31. Uh, we've got Jason Mayer, 38, 22 Idaho. Kurt Borchart 41, 20 Idaho. Uh, lo- you can see the theme here. Our listeners are pretty pretty big on saying Idaho's going to win this game. I think Dallas, you're right that if you want to look at Idaho previous Idaho games, I think we're going to see a score more in line with Idaho beating Montana 30 to 23. Or Idaho you know, when Idaho lost to Sac State, it was 31 28. I think that's probably the margin that we're a little bit closer to. I'm going to go Idaho. I think Idaho wins this 38 24.
0: I did it again. Man, I'm just struggling. I, I, I got to stop using the, the stream yard mute. Uh, not to get into another mute button discussion, but God damn, I'm sorry. I'm just struggling tonight. Anyways, Tom Kendall saying the same thing, 38-27 Vandals. Andrew Townsend saying that Duffer's Tavern's got the Vandals as 16.5-point favorites. Brian, my score prediction is pretty close to yours. I, I don't think it's going to be a 16-point game. I think this is a touchdown game. I'm going to go Idaho 35-28. Okay, and did hot take not hot take? Sorry, producer seducer Martin Heemstred, did He leave a score prediction. He did. He's got Idaho forty to thirty. So we're all roughly in that same ballpark of thinking Idaho's a touchdown to two touchdowns somewhere in that general area. Um, again, all I was thinking Idaho won't win this by a blowout, but should be fairly comfortable in the victory. With that said, it's time. Hear a little bit about our favorite sponsor. Our only sponsor, but that doesn't mean that they're not our favorite. If you are looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, do not look past your backyard. Hughes River Expeditions has been Vandal-owned and operated since 1976 and they're ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. Enjoy a multi-grade trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the Main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway, and check out special trips like one to see the Per Said Meteor Shower. Camp on Pristine bitches run amazing whitewater hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the entire country. Just bring your clothes and let HRE handle the rest. Grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bowl all throughout the Gem State. Call now at 800 262 1882. Again, that's 800 262 1882, or check them out at huesriver.com. Brian. Do you have any last thoughts on UC Davis before we get into picking the rest of the big sky?
1: No, man. I, I think it is kind of weird for Davis to be that we're this deep into the season and we're not yet clear on who UC Davis is uh, just, just based off the, the, the results that we already covered in this, in this game. There, I don't think there's another team in the big sky that you'd exactly say that where we're, we're this far in the season, but I, I think it is fair to say for Vandal's heading into this game, Davis doesn't have any no-show games this season, so I, I expect we're at the very least going to get a solid outing from Davis. Meaning Idaho's going to have to play well, but Idaho this year has been pretty good at playing well. So uh, that that's all I got, man. Other than get get to the dome, it's been it last night. Sorry, Eastern, not, which was not last night. The Eastern game is the first time this year. Look, I'm a cheap bastard. I bought the general admission tickets because my math was until Idaho proves I need to buy the expensive tickets, I'm going to buy general admission tickets and sit wherever the hell I want to. Eastern was the first game that I could just not sit wherever the hell I want to, which is great news. Maybe my gamble changes for next season. Please, dudes, get to the get to the dome. The environment was fun as hell. It was, was Parents' Weekend last last week, which partially explains some of the fan base. Some of uh, maybe more uh, attentive fan base. We have one last game, guys. This has been a the season is fun as hell. It's but it goes by in a blink. Uh, and look, if things work out, this we don't need to talk about Idaho's future. The present is right now. Idaho could make the playoffs with a win, on essentially make the playoffs with a win on Saturday. This is a playoff-type game for Idaho. If you can get there, please get there.
0: Yeah, absolutely, guys. This is is a playoff game for the Vandals. If they win this game, I mean, a nuclear bomb would have to drop in Pocatello for Idaho to lose that game. Uh, So, realistically, you win this game, you're going to the playoffs, hopefully with a shot at having another home game. But... That's not guaranteed. If you are at all interested in this team and interested in getting to the Dome and seeing what Vandal football is becoming, this is your last chance. I have had more fun this season than any other season since the drop-down, and honestly, since a while before that. This is this feels like the rebirth of Vandal football. The bullies of the Big Sky are back. Get to the Dome. Have a blast. Brian and I have been there and watched some really awful games with very few people in attendance. And now you see the fruits of this season, finally getting almost 12,000 people in there for that Eastern game. Let's try to do that again this weekend, get to the dome, have a bunch of fun, scream your ass off and let's beat those Aggies. Let's beat Dan Hawkins for the first time, because I, I really want to punch Dan Hawkins in the head. Just, I mean, not personally. I'm sure he's a decent enough person, but metaphorically, I just want to punch him and his kid right in the head and finally get one back for Idaho. Brian, enough of my loud rambling. Picking the big sky. Let's get into it. Let's let's talk about UC Davis's biggest rival, Sac State at top five Portland State. This game is on Friday, not on Saturday.
1: I'm not concerned about Portland State pulling an upset here. Sacramento State is too effective on the ground. Uh, Sacramento State's also just solid all around. They've got a couple guys who are making you know final pushes for, I mean, for all Big Sky nomination. Which that that brings up my quick bullet point this this week on Big Sky podcast power rankings. We're actually going to do our some of our Big Sky awards a week before the Big Sky releases theirs, so we can compare which is uh, a not important or interesting way of saying, yeah, Sacramento State's going to win this game. Um, Sacramento State's also looking for style points, but dudes are undefeated. They're in the market for a number one or number two seed, so they have playoffs kind of as well in a different way. And uh, look, Troy Taylor is never underprepared. And Portland State, look, they got their win against Eastern.
0: They're done. Yeah, I mean – guys this this game they shouldn't even play this game they should just they should just call this game uh everybody in the comment section cap dan saying sack Sac state by three touchdowns bart holt 51 15 sack state steve kurtz sack state by 40 tom kendall top five psu 10 to sack states 52 this game is not going to be close. Sac State is the cream of the crop in this conference. And while Idaho is right on their heels, Portland State sure but, as hell is not. Well, wait, hey, Sac maybe State we're alone. wrong, though. Portland State's got
1: some momentum. I forgot. They got their win over Eastern. But very impressive, 35-21 to 21 win for Portland State over Northern Colorado. Northern Colorado, look, you we talk about Portland State being top five because they are top they are top 5. So big big deal for Sac State to get top 5 win. Uh under like a point people don't pay enough attention to. Northern Colorado is a top two directional northern directional school in the Big Sky. So a big win like that last week maybe it gives Portland State the momentum to make this a game. No, obviously it doesn't.
0: Sacramento State's going to win easy. And Brian leading us into our next game, the directional showdown. Northern Colorado versus Northern Arizona. Which fan base cares less? Do you, does this make you miss the old directional showdown of Southern
1: Utah and Northern Colorado? Yes, it absolutely does. It absolutely, it absolutely does to me, too. So I'm going to pick Northern Arizona. Northern Arizona just had a pretty good showing last week against Montana State. Uh, that, that game was in doubt until the very end, Three like three-point win for Montana State last week. Uh, it's more that Northern Arizona is... They have the ability to be effective. There, there's some talent there. It's just the, the team the team more or less puts it together against shitty teams so like the New Portland State where uh, for the most part, they'll look good against shitty teams. They'll have like a game against a better team where they look surprisingly effective and Northern Colorado. That's just one of the rougher stories to me in the Big Sky. Like the discussion of what's the ugliest story going on in the Big Sky? What's the roughest fan base to be a part of in the Big Sky? Like You can understand Cal Poly you know, there's there's still belief that Bo Baldwin just needed time. You can understand Idaho State choosing to check out because it's year one, it's it's rough, but maybe Regal's the right guy. Northern Colorado fans are pretty much done with Ed McCaffrey, so that that's another place where there's a there. I, I don't see this team coming together. They're certainly not going to outcoach anyone. So Northern Arizona,
0: I feel real bad for those two dozen Northern Colorado fans that are done with the their head coach because. What are two dozen people going to do uh, against a former NFL star? You're you're not getting that guy out of there anytime soon. But no, NAU, and uh, I don't mean this to be any of the comparisons that Scott Frost ended up being this year where he made a whole bunch of really stupid coaching decisions that – and resulted in him getting fired very shortly before uh he wasn't going to be due a whole bunch of money um nebraska hated him so much they were just trying to get rid of him nau feels kind of like those nebraska scott frost teams for anybody that follows the fbs too much for every game that they they beat sam houston somehow 10 to 3 i still don't understand that they lost to north dakota by three when north dakota was number 22 in the nation They just lost to Montana state 41 to 38 in a game that realistically they could have won, but then they host Cal Poly and they win 31 to 29. Like this is a team that just, they, they seem to get up for good teams. And then they also play down to bad teams. I've seen that before. However, with that said, Northern Colorado is complete butt cheeks and there's no way that NA is going to lose to that team. And Northern Colorado is a dumpster fire. They're going to be a dumpster fire until the McCaffrey family's gone. Everybody else in the comment thread feeling the same way. We've got Colin Hughes shouting out. And Colin, I'm sorry, I missed your prediction of 48-9 for Sac State over Portland State. Colin Hughes, 42.24 NAU. Steve Kurtz, NAU 21. Uh, excuse me, NAU 28, Northern Colorado 21. Jason Mayer, Lumberjacks by 21. Bart Holt, 35.15 NAU. Tom Kendall, 37.24 NAU. Pretty much everybody picking NAU Turner-Webb, 35-24 to 24 for NAU versus Nepotism, which hey, that's a pretty good score for a team that's very familiar with Nepotism. Everybody in here saying the same thing. NAU's got this one in the bag. So let's just move on to another one that everybody's got probably in the bag. Idaho State at Weber State.
1: Charlie Raggle, man, if you guys have not read Charlie Raggle's quotes after – Idaho State lost was it fifty five to three to UC Davis last week. Idaho State scored they kick a field goal on their first drive and then it's all all Davis all the time. Regal claims he's only going to bring forty or fifty dudes to to Weaver. Regal sounds like he is kind of done on this season, but in a way, what he. he Truly, you got to read Greg Wood's article. Uh, just Google Charlie Ragle press conference. You'll see uh, Charlie Ragle more or less uh, put the entire roster on notice, uh, said this is a paraphrase because I didn't look it up. Um, some of the some of the guys are going to be gone next year because they're seniors. The rest of the guys are going to be gone because they're not on this football team anymore. Uh, Ragle making it clear that uh, he wants to change. He wants to change culture of Idaho State, and he is just done with where, where it's at. And he went with the uh, scorched earth version going public, which... Um, there's some ways where uh, that seems a little bit old school the way it might backfire but also i completely understand if thing if he truly thinks the issue is not scheme he thinks it's heart uh it makes sense to say okay well the line the same is drawn we're doing this now weber is going to walk all over idaho state weber's offense has certainly been fading the second half of the season for sure but you know even weber's losses this year as of late, you know, close loss to Sacramento State, close loss to Montana State, both those games where special teams essentially lost the game for Weber. Yeah, that's not going to be the case here. Weber's going to win like forty-two to three.
0: Yeah, this this isn't going to be close, guys. And and I'm I might be in the absolute minority here, but I actually don't mind Charlie Raggles' comments. Um, I think Pocatello is a complete shithole. I think that the administration at that excuse for a university is even worse i think what his comments are they're they're probably blown out of proportion from what he's truly thinking deep down probably because he's a little emotional at the fact that this is this is probably the hardest job in college football i can't think of another place i would i would rather be than anywhere but pocatello it that is an awful program it's been awful for decades no amount of turnover is really going to fix a whole lot until you you just go scorched earth which is what Raggle is doing all of that to say they're going to get absolutely dismantled by Weber State because even if he brought a full contingent of players the players they have just it it just doesn't work over there this is not the Idaho situation where obviously the guy in charge was a dummy They replaced him with somebody that knew what he was doing, replaced all the coaches with guys that were probably better than the previous coaching staff. Boom, Idaho is a playoff team. Idaho State did not have that magic card of let's change the coach out and and make everything better. This is a program that that has to be burned down to the studs to be rebuilt. Can I I
1: just want to hit that for one second, because Regal right now is the only interesting part about Idaho State. And I'm I'm mostly with you. And I, I think look a lot of the reaction that I saw and from people I talked to, the reaction to Charlie Reggles' quotes, it was twofold. It was that direct frustration of uh, putting it on the players. You can understand how a potential athlete could come across that who's being recruited by Idaho State. And maybe that makes them think twice about coming to Idaho State. That was the only thing that people were really concerned about. With, with Reggle's quotes, I got to say, like what you said, I, I mostly took it as the dude was just being direct and Regal will probably, if he, look, if he's in recruits rooms and these are brought up, he's going to tell them this is me being a straight shooter guys. Uh, there is a, uh, you don't have to interpret my words. You'll know where you stand. So if that's something you want, come down to Idaho state. Uh, I expect that's the route he's going to go. When I talked to him on media day, he did seem relatively speaking, like a straight shooter, in a way that was endearing to me. I mean, I've been rooting for Riegel this year. Uh, I'm not saying I put a lot of investment in it, because why would you? But uh, that's the only direction with Idaho State right now, in my mind, worth kind of paying attention to. So I suppose we can stop the Idaho State talk now.
0: Just one last thing about Idaho State for anybody that is casually listening to us or anybody that just doesn't care about little brother and poke a hellhole. The Bengals won the Big Sky in 2002. They went above 500 in 2003, in 2014, and 2018. Other than that, it has been a losing season every year for the last 20 years, minus those three. So, pretty rough times down there in Pocahontas. I do want to point out, because I'm doing a terrible job at producing seducing, Martin called out Weber as the win. He also picked Sac State, but contrary to Brian and I, he picked UNC at home against NAU, which it is... It is in the formerly long grass of Greeley, Colorado. So there is a chance for UNC. I, this is a reputation staker for Martin here. That is a, I am, I am shocked at that call, but more power to him if he gets it right. That gets into another game that Martin is going to pick differently from the two of us. Eastern Washington at Montana. Obviously Martin has picked Eastern Washington.
1: Of course, Martin did that, and you have to applaud Martin's faith in him being rewarded more than once for picking against Montana. He's been rewarded more than once, but Montana just beat Cal Poly 57-0. to And, yes, Cal Poly sucks. Eastern is closer to Cal Poly right now than you might guess. Like, that 17-10 win for Eastern over Cal Poly earlier in the year, I don't think that was the result of a weird game. I, I think, truly, those teams are not that far from each other. Eastern clearly better but not by the margin you'd expect. So, no, Montana's going to walk all over Eastern. I, I the, the thing for I'm honestly Dallas a little bit anxious for Eastern. I like the big sky with Eastern being a good team. And from what I saw in Moscow, Eastern's uh, Eastern's got to get a lot of new guys. They they just don't have enough right now to be competitive with with the big sky being stronger and the big sky look teams have to be strong defensively right now to be okay in the big sky. Eastern has a long ways to go.
0: Yeah, I no, I'm not somebody who's ever going to call for a coach's head unless it's absolutely deserved like you played your kid at quarterback when he had no right to be there and you sat here wasting an entire decade of a, a once proud program. Anyways, other than that I don't t- typically call for coaches heads uh or if they win one basketball game a year that kind of thing. Anyways, Aaron Best that That loss felt like, holy shit, I understand why there is a small contingent of Eastern fans that want Best out of there. I have never thought there was a problem with Best. I had long wanted Aaron Best rather than Paul Petrino. I wouldn't take Aaron Best over Jason Eck. But I do think Aaron Best is at least in the top half of the coaches in the Big Sky, if not better than that. But seeing what that program might be headed towards, and I'm really sorry, Patty, if you're listening to this yikes i thought that we we were like looking at one down year after barrier is gone and then maybe they are going to you know maybe vice Paris is going to end up being the guy maybe they get a transfer in something's going to happen and they're magically going to find their quarterback of the future much the way they did with gage gubrood after vernon adams left jordan west stepped in wasn't great very next year everything's back to normal and cheney it does not feel like that it feels like barrier could come back in And they would maybe get to five hundred. This is troubling for Eastern. All of that to say, I'm absolutely picking Montana. Yeah, Eastern's going to need new dudes. So, like Colin Hughes in the
1: comment section says, Best won't be down for long. Which, look, that's a reasonable point. Just the thing I can't—I'm not going to move off of yet. Not disagreeing with Colin because look, Aaron Best is not terrible by any means. Eastern. The story, the narrative around Eastern had been that they're losing games because they're playing great teams, and that is true. Eastern's had a very brutal schedule. Even if they were solid, there's no way this team would finish with more than four wins based off of five top 15 games in the Big Sky or six if you count Portland State, plus two FBS games. But Eastern has actually not looked that great against the weak teams on their schedule. Tennessee State's terrible. Cal Poly's terrible. Those were two close wins for Eastern. And then look, Portland State sucks. And Eastern was down 35 to 7 to Portland State. So uh reason to be concerned. But we have another Montana, we have another easy state of Montana game to pick next.
0: Yeah, one last point on on Eastern. And I know that we're running long here. Next year's schedule does look a whole lot better for them. Uh they do get to play Idaho State, they play Portland State, they play Cal Poly, they play NAU. They have a little bit better schedule next year. So if Aaron Best is still around, which I would assume he is, he will be it certainly looks like they will they will not be where they are currently at. Uh, so anybody that is terribly concerned or likes having Eastern be that kind of, not national brand, but the red field is at least known enough across the FCS if people like having somebody in the big sky that does draw a little bit of attention to us, hopefully Eastern's a little bit better next year. That gets us into the last game, Brian. Montana State at Cal Poly. Well, Cal Poly just lost,
1: what, 56-0 to to Montana. And Montana State just played their game where they underperformed against North, Northern Arizona, came away with a win. Uh, Montana State is going to use this game to to get themselves right heading into the Brawl of the Wild against Montana, against Montana to close the season. This will not be close. I would not be floored if we have another 56-0 repeat, Montana State.
0: Yeah, this is the tune-up game of all tune-up games. If you're Montana State, you don't have necessarily an incredible win on your resume, and you may have more questions than answers at this point, even though, again, you're on track to go undefeated, like uh, undefeated in conference. The With all of that said, look, you're still, you're still going to win the big sky if you win out. Like, this is obviously a team that these are, you know, rich problems to be having, but there are some questions about Montana State, and especially as they, they have let teams hang around for longer than they should, this is the kind of game that they're going to go out there and absolutely just rip Cal Poly to shreds to get prepared for Brawl of the Wild and then hit the road for the playoffs or home for the playoffs, whatever. However, the rest of the season ends up for them this is absolutely the tune-up game to end all tune-up games it, it, I do comment, want thread
1: agrees. comment thread is there's no one picking montana state to score fewer than 45 points that's Steve Kurtz picking a 45-0 montana state win everyone else we got guys like con hughes 58-3 montana state tom kendall 55-14 montana state bart holt 63-7 montana state
0: and again because i'm doing a terrible job of producing and seducing same thing for Montana Eastern everybody's picking giant blowouts of Eastern in that game another rough week of games here in the big Sky just the haves playing the have-nots uh, in pretty much every game except for Idaho UC Davis so Brian that takes us through picking the big sky we don't have a martin minute but what I do want to bring attention to Idaho basketball still sucks that's that's all I got um, the women should be fine because they're they lost to a power five school that's expected Idaho men's basketball still sucks
1: yeah Idaho men real quick lost season opener D1 opener at Denver 68 63 leading scores Isaac Jones c- uh Center Isaac Jones scores 15 points grabs five rebounds shoots six of nine uh my takeaway yeah Isaac Jones scores 15 points on nine shots he needs to get a lot more shots uh, number two scores Taryn Frank another new newcomer 412 for 11 points Devonte Moffitt chipped in 10 uh Idaho has more games we this is as in-depth we're going to talk about idaho basketball during football
0: season brian wouldn't it wouldn't it be nice if you know there was a coach that could figure out oh yeah isaac jones is really good he should get some more shots maybe if we get him some more touches around the basket maybe that will make things a little bit easier for three-point shooters but what the hell do i know we're going to stop talking about basketball because unfortunately we have to do that shit in a couple months anyways other thing i want to call out unfortunately the vandal women's soccer team their season has come to a close they lost on a shootout 0-0 draw at the end of regulation and overtime to nau the one seed versus the two seed idaho vandals nau moving on to the ncaa tournament idaho season unfortunately coming to a close there i do have one last thing i want to bring up brian but did you have any other sports you wanted to quickly speak about that that a head nod is a no so What I want to call out is the 2022 Vandal Athletics Hall of Fame class. Uh, They were mentioned, uh, and there was a quick quick little ceremony for them uh, during the football game. I believe there was another ceremony also uh, over at the Best Western. Um, Six different Vandal legends plus uh, one full team have all been inducted into the Vandal Athletics Hall of Fame. Uh, That ranges from the 2005 women's cross-country team uh, to Barry Steele. who's an administrator with Idaho for 25-some years. Uh, Mike Iupati, former Vandal Great, uh, the best player on the 2009 Humanitarian, but one of the few Vandals uh, not, not just drafted into the NFL, but a first-round pick. Unfortunately, played for every single NFC West team except my own, which was a bit of a kick in the nuts, but you know, I, I got around it. Uh, Hannah Kaiser, uh, former track and field cross-country superstar. Red Morrison, former men's basketball coach. John L. Smith, one of the greatest football coaches of all time as well as Haley Janicek, a volley, an absolute stud on the volleyball team back in the day. Yeah,
1: John L. Smith in his six years at Idaho goes 53-21, and 21, five playoff appearances in six years. Uh, Dwight Red Morrison played in the NBA for five years from 1954 to 1959. But I want to spend just a minute on, on Haley Janicek. H- Haley Janicek, wife of a longtime Tubbs patron Matthew Janicek. In Haley's career as a Vandal, she also uh, played volleyball right around the time I went to school, to University of Idaho. But in Haley's time as a volleyball player for for the Vandals, she's a four-year starter, good Lord. She holds the school record for career kills in 1,775. Career double kill matches, 87. Single match kills, 36. She's top 10 in six other statistical categories. So just was good for every single year of your career. Also earned honors. Now, this was back when Idaho's in the WAC uh, t- 2005 all freshman team, 2005, 2006, second team all conference, 2007, 2008, first team all conference, player of the week in 05, 07, and 08. And was also three for three different years academic all whack. So uh, she coached for a couple years after she was done playing uh, at Austin P. As an interim coach, uh, she led Austin P. Uh, to their first conference champion championship and appearance in the NCAA tournament. Was named a top thirty coach under thirty by by the American Volleyball Coaches Association. She is a former coach, but again, man, part of the tubs. She's part of the Tubbs family. So thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matthew, for being a patron. Congrats, Haley, for the for the for being honored the way most Vandals don't get to be
0: honored. It's
1: a big, it's a big deal.
0: Yeah, just congrats to all of the 2002, or excuse me, oh boy, 2002. I mean, congrats to the 2002 class as well. But congrats to the 2022 class uh, getting into the Vandal Athletics Hall of Fame. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, it's always cool to see some of the guys, like in like, Red Morrison, I doubt there's a whole lot of living vandals that truly know much about him, just because it's been so long. But then you have the like the folks like Potty and Kaiser and Janicek that did play in more of the contemporary. You and I were were in school, and those guys were there. It's just cool to see the you know the the school yeah. celebrate some some fresh faces and some old faces. Also, a quick reminder from Colin Hughes in the comment thread:
1: Haley had a fantastic speech as well. So again, congrats from from the Tubbs family
0: to the Tubbs family. All right, Brian, we are well over an hour. We're closing in on an hour 15 at this point. Do you have any final thoughts before we move on? No, I'm just looking forward to your outro. I, I'm looking forward to my outro too. I haven't even figured it out. That was supposed to be you filibustering me for four minutes while I figured it out. But I guess I we're just going to do this on the fly here, guys. So down with Dan Hawkins, V's up, get to the dome, Support this football team as they're trying to win what is essentially a playoff game. This is your last chance to get to the Dome. Don't don't listen to us. Don't listen to other people. Don't listen to anybody that's saying, hey, there's a chance that Idaho's got a home playoff game. Do not treat it like that. If you want to see this team, which is right now, honestly, this could end up being something like the 2009 Bowl team or the 2016 Bowl team where it's one glimpse of greatness surrounded by sadness. Who knows what next year is going to bring? We're hoping that's not the case. I don't think that that could ever happen with a Jason Eck coach team. But there is a chance that this is just like every other good year that Idaho has, and it's surrounded by a decade of sadness on each end. Do not miss your chance to see this team. This team is fun. The Dome is fun. It fucking rocks to be a Vandal right now, as long as you don't pay attention to the men's basketball team. Um, Players are great. The coach is not we'll get into that brian
1: no i'm just laughing my ass off at the like no you're right people need to get to the game like the team's good now you need to enjoy them now but i I just love the tone of you guys everything could suck forever but it's kind of cool right now so get 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 there um I, i know where it's going from i know what you're saying I'm not anxious about that in the future. I just don't care about the future right now. It's fun right now, dude. The team kicks ass. Get there now because you can't. Motherfucker.
0: And Jesus Christ. Motherfucker. And Jesus Christ.
1: That's an unbelievable fuck up. We're gonna. Man, two minutes of muted talk. We're gonna we're gonna start. Oh, man, we're just going to start that over. Good Lord.